Okay, so it's like one of those things where um, you try to get the, okay, you gotta get the ground there because. No. It sounds like you're dying. So here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna try the Chewbacca noise, and that person's gonna have to describe what that noise sounds like. So right now, you do not sound like Chewbacca. You sound like you are in significant pain, and that you should be put down. Okay. All right. You know you go. Oh, oh, <laughs> you sound like you sound like um, uh, a, a fish is trying to play the saxophone. <laughs> okay. Hey, 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 hey! Don't disrespect the bubble bowl. Oh, jeez! Fish right, can well, play okay, the bubble bowl. That's a, a heck of a transition into our, our opening topic. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Melting Pod podcast, episode 12, which coincidentally is the number of the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. I want to throw up. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we did the Chewbacca noises because that's exactly how I feel right yeah. now. Sorry. You mentioning Tom Brady. Sorry you guys had to listen to those Chewbacca noises. I'm not we, sorry. That was great. I'm going gonna, gonna to work on it. I'm going to go home. I'm going to workshop it. I'm going to listen to myself, watch some tape. Yeah. It'll be great. Get better. But will get better. It's been a pretty great week. Um, I don't know if you've had a great week, but I've had a great week because the Patriots won the Super Bowl again. Um, <gasps> oh, excuse for, me. I'm you know, throwing up over here. So, you know, for the, for I the, hope I broke my mic for the sixth that. time in 17 years, um, not terrible, so to speak. <sighs> so great. They had, their, they had the parade yesterday, and then they went to the Bruins game, and they dropped the puck. And, I mean, it was all pretty awesome, right? I wonder if this, if I use my jacket, I can choke myself to death. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you finished? Dude, okay. just hit yourself on. Just hit your head on the chair. It'll be easier. Uh, that's true. All right. Well, as the uh, resident Dolphins fan here, um, I do want to congratulate you, Doug. Thank you on your Patriots winning. And congratulations on hiring Brian Flores. That was your, the only positive. Yeah. I can honestly say though, as much as I'm excited to see the future head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who will eventually go 12 and 22. Um, I do want to say, though, that that was the most boring Super Bowl I've ever watched in my life. I mean, it was... A and, def- like, I appreciate good defense. As a goalie, I appreciate good defense. But, Jesus, man, like... It was, it was really good defense. There can be good defense in a 24-21 game. I guess so. But there can. It was a punt fest. But, the, well, the MVP well, for the Rams, well, day one, was going to be their punter. Well, that's what was unexciting about it, is there was very few turnovers, except, well, except Brady threw an interception on the first play... And then... As soon as I saw that, I knew the Patriots were going to win. Because there's no way Brady's yeah. going to lose after doing that. Right. Brady threw a pick on the first play and then... Uh, or on his, on his first pass. It wasn't the exact first also, play. Also, can we be completely honest? Tom Brady had very little to do with that win. No. He didn't play great. Very little. No, of course not. Okay, good. But Julian, there's a lot of people Julian out there o- who are saying, like, Tom Brady's won six. It's like, he has, yes. And but, like... People talk about uh, the debate... because of him. Well... Yeah, but, I mean, of course he was still instrumental in their... Well, of course, yeah. yeah. But, like, Alex Smith was instrumental in leading the Chiefs to the playoffs last yeah. year. It doesn't mean that but, he's the reason. Um, but what I will say is people who were talking about... I, I agree that I think one of the defensive players should win MVP. Either uh, Dante Hightower or Stefan Gilmore should have won MVP. Um, and, and this is coming from, like, one of the biggest Julian Edelman homers of all time. I fucking love Julian Edelman. <laughs> but... And he played a great game. He was definitely their best offensive player, but it was a defensive game. And the game was won by the defense. They absolutely just stifled the Rams. I'm not a big Julian Edelman guy, but two reasons I wanted him to win the MVP was, one, just because it'd be, he, apparently he's the first Jewish MVP. Yep, first Jewish MVP. Which is awesome. True. Because, you know, awesome. L'chaim, Jewish athletes. Uh, but also just because I wanted to hear what he'd say, because I don't think I've ever heard that man take credit for anything. He literally just rubs up on Tom Brady. Like, yeah. Like, Julian, you had 100 catches for 2,000 yards in this one game alone. What are your thoughts? Oh, you know, Tom. Tom was throwing the ball really well. Today. It's like, all right, but, you know. But anyway. Uh, no, but, I mean, yeah. he, he, Julian I agree with you. He should have been a defensive player. It should have, but that's okay. You know what? Julian, yeah. car- Julian carried L'chaim. the offense. We got some Jewish athletes up in here. Yeah, Jewish Jewish MVP. I love it. Um, We're both also, Jewish. I know thing, no one can tell. One th- it's very what, difficult. Oh, with, you mean the last name is Weiss and Greenberg? <laughs> Sounds more like a law uh, firm than a podcast. No kidding. Um, <laughs> but one thing about the Super Bowl, too, that um, uh, obviously was the commercials. Right. The, Big commercials. The best of the night, in my mind, unarguably. Some people will say arguably, but I say unarguably. You, had you, to say, be. you should say arguably because there is an argument. Okay, I mean, fine. Arguably. Yeah, that's true, I guess. <laughs> in the point that, is this is arguable. All right, anyway, all right so anyway. arguably the best commercial of the night <laughs> was um, the Bud Light... Game of Thrones mashup, which 
it was it was so brilliant because it was so unexpected. I'm crying um, tears over here. Oh my crying god, tears was, over here. That was incredible. It was so unexpected, but it was so so perfect and so well done. And I saw afterwards that apparently the uh, the people behind Game of Thrones marketing were insistent that the Bud Knight had to die. They were like, they were like, well, couldn't they just like injure him? They're like, no, 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 we have to kill him. Like, we have to kill the Bud Knight. And they're like, okay. They killed off the Bud Knight, man. I don't even like Bud Light. Bud Light's terrible. But like, those commercials are funny. Dilly Dilly and all that. And now well, Bud I Knight's think, dead. I think the rest of Dilly Dilly is still alive. I just think the Bud Knight's dead. In Canada. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. I personally thought the NFL 100 commercial. That was genius. Which was very cool. I, I really liked that as well. Read the behind the scenes story of how they put that together. It's incredible. I mean, think about it. They had all these athletes, most of whom were still playing. Yeah, you know? true. Including they a, Brady, they, they Brady, Brady out, was in that one. Yeah, they flew Baker Mayfield to New England to do the little bit between Mayfield and, and Brady. They went down to Orlando during the Pro Bowl for that bit between Mahomes and uh, Russ Wilson. Like they had to go all over the place for this, and they've made it look really. Right, really they made good. it look seamless. That was a lot yeah. of fun. That's pretty cool, and they got um, and they got a bunch of old guys playing in there too. The best part to me was the behind the scenes of Larry Zonka, who's former Miami Dolphins great, on the only <clears throat> let me clear my throat, the only team to win the Super Bowl undefeated, the perfect team. Anyway, that's cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's the only thing I have, Doug. It's all I ha- all I can hold on to. Mm-hmm. The best part was um, the behind the scenes like blooper of Larry Zonka trying to open a bottle of champagne. He's like, I can't open this mother, and it just cuts off. It was great. <laughs> that's funny. Um, um, anyway, things we things we should also uh, uh, cut off is this segment and get into some hockey. Hey, shout true. out to the, my my segues are always on point. Yeah. I refuse any other um, schools of thought. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk some hockey. So. It is trade season, yep. big Let's time. Let's get to some snapshots. What yeah, we got. so it is trade season, big time. Um, we're we're coming up on the deadline, so all the all the trades are starting to happen. I do um, want to point out really quickly: if you're on Twitter and a trade breaks, make sure that the person breaking that trade has that blue check mark. It is silly season. You yep. will see parody accounts trying to ba- break fake trades. Don't get bamboozled. Do not fall for it. Like that. Yeah. What what was that thing with the the Flyers blogger? Like fell for something. I remember that a while ago. I don't know. I don't know. Was, but anyhow, anyhow. Um, so the big, the biggest trade in my mind so far has been the trade that sent Jake Muzzin to the Maple Leafs for a couple of draft picks and uh, a couple of prospects, or was it just one draft pick? It was a player, a prospect, the rights to a prospect, and a first round pick. Yeah, a first round pick, which uh, honestly was a pretty good haul for the Kings too. Um, yeah, at least know. won it. I think. Right. I mean, from, I still. From, I think. I think the Leafs. Value I think the Leafs won the hindsight. Yeah. I think the Leafs won the trade, but I still think it was a pretty decent haul for the Kings, especially because they're in full rebuild mode at this point, so they just need all the assets they can get. Um, but man, was this a great trade for the Leafs? This was such a good trade, and you've already seen it starting to pay dividends. You know, Muzzin had two points in his third game uh, with the Leafs the other night. Um, it was the last piece that they really needed, and you and you see this every year. You see, like you they could still use another piece, but it's no, they, the, no, they the, could. It was, this, that was, was the, the most they needed the most. That was the most important piece yeah. for them. Um, the a blue a, line was a really without him, right? A really solid two way defenseman, um, and Muzzin is real. Really, just fits the bill for them, and really good in the offensive zone too, which helps that, that right. offense. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> definitely didn't need the help, but it gets it. So. Right, like a guy who can play really good shutdown defense, but can also play and can play the other way. Um, Man, what a great pickup for the Leafs. And and it sucks for both of us as <laughs> Bruins and Lightning fans, respectively, that like the, the Leafs one, just, the Leafs the one weakness for Toronto. Right. Like the, the Leafs just got just covered their one weakness and that makes them such a threat in the East now. Um Ugh. man, it is wow. But I well, what I will say is as much as a you know, the, the Leafs are a healthy rival for both of us, um I'm I'm kind of happy in a way to see them like to see Toronto come back to its former glory in a sense. No, I mean a little bit. Toronto, Toronto. Can I can't never win a cup, and I will not cry. I mean, it's not like me with the Yankees, where or like the Canadians. Like I'm, I'm so pissed that the Canadians are actually decent this year. Like, and they're ahead of the Bruins in the standings right now. Yeah, can, but shout out to the Canadians for like, doing well. Well, no, but Thomas Tata, Tata. <laughs> but but that's the thing is, like it's Max just like Domi. I can't. I can at least appreciate you know the the Leafs. Coming back to their former glory. I think and, it'd be and funny a big part if of that. the Leafs are consistently good with Matthews and Marner and all those guys, but never win the cup. Just because there's so many good teams that have had that. Like the Can- remember the Canucks? Like the Sedins deserved a cup. No. Yeah. Nope. Anywho. Or like um, or like the Kings with uh with Wayne Gretzky. Or like this next team, the Nashville Predators, who've been good yeah. the last few seasons and have not yet put it together to win their first Stanley Cup. They made two trades today. Brian Boyle coming mm-hmm. over from New Jersey in exchange for a second round draft pick. 
and for some reason, Cody McLeod for a like, seventh rounder from yeah, New York. Like, okay, sure. Which, you know, I, I get because Austin Watson is, is uh, dealing with whatever issues he's dealing with with that uh, the substance abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, whatever it is, program that he uh, he was admitted to. Right. Um, and they want some size, whatever. But Cody McLeod, really? Brian yeah. Boyle, I like that trade. Um, yeah. I wanted to see I, – I would have loved to see the lightning go for Boyle just because there's familiarity there mm-hmm. and – he would be a really good fourth line center for them, and he's. But you know, that's uh, he's a he's a good. I think he'll be a better fit in Nashville than when he was sent to Toronto. Yeah, traded and line. he's a, well, he's a great locker room guy too. Like besides like what he can bring on the ice, he's he's a great guy to have around, and especially when you're going into a stretch playoff run, like you need veterans who have been there before, um, and can do it and know what they're doing. He also looks like uh, what's that guy? Inigo and I go whatever Montoya, Inigo Montoya, Inigo Inigo uh, Inigo Inigo, Inigo Montoya. Inigo my name is Nigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That is Brian Boyle. He does actually look like that. That's funny. I never <laughs> thought of that. I never connected the dots on that one. Never seen them in the same room. There um, you go. Hey, you <laughs> never know. Hey, you know what? If uh, Beaumont in the NBA can play a, a goon in John Wick 3, Brian Boyle can totally play a... Oh, did he? Yeah, you didn't see oh, that. Oh, I didn't see that. No. I'll send that to you later. Oh, that's it's hilarious. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. so funny. <laughs> um, so we have got... An, and then we got another trade that happened yesterday, two days ago, something like that. Um. Uh, like two days ago, or no, was, no, 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 class. no, no, no. Which was... class was that I sent you to? I sent that to you during a class because I was bored and I was on Twitter. This Mom, if been... you're listening, don't listen. This actually might have been a few days ago, but anyway, yeah. th- regardless of when it was, um, Nick Bu- Nick Buescat, Nick Bugstad, and go. what's McCann's first name? Is that Jared McCann? Jared former? McCann. I think yeah, it's Jared, Jared McCann. Jared McCann. Uh, went over to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for Derek Broussard and Riley Shan and some and some picks. Um, I mean, kind of a good trade for both sides. I mean, I don't know. Like it's. I think Broussard gets swapped before the trade deadline. Yeah, well, that's what everyone seems to think, and you know, uh, he doesn't have the most inviting contract in the whole world. So, um, we'll see. It, yeah, I mean, we'll see. But good for Florida to pick up. Some I mean, picks. Bukestad, I mean, it would be cool to see Bukestad kind of like. Uh, you know, per- perhaps live up to his potential. Um, people say he's one of the more skilled guys in the whole league. Uh, well, maybe not the whole league, but he's a very skilled player. He's one of the more skilled big bodies. He's, what, six, seven? You know, so. right, exactly. And I wonder where, you know, he's going to kind of fit in. Yeah. I wonder where he's listed on their depth chart right now, um, like, or, like who he's playing with. Um, well, you look that up. I'm going to look that up. Speaking of big bodies, Jamie Oleksiak sent back to <laughs> Dallas and basically— <laughs> This trade is hilarious. Oh, my God. So, so long story short, Dallas drafted Oleksiak, traded him to Pittsburgh— and now Pittsburgh's trading back to Dallas for the exact same return. So it's almost like that trade never happened. But Pittsburgh borrowed him for what a cup run, maybe two. Yep. Um. So <laughs> he got a few. He got at least one cup, if not two. It was just one, wasn't it? I wasn't it? Just I thought one. it was just last year. I thought it was yeah. just one. Wait, was it just last year? Maybe he didn't even get a well, cup. I, no, I don't even think he got a cup with them. I think he was just he was just with them last year. Um. I'm gonna look that up. But I any, well, what I just looked up, and this is very interesting, actually. So, um, on RotoWire.com, shout out RotoWire.com, one of my employers. Um, they have the Penguins depth chart listed right now. They have Nick Bukestad on the first line with Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby. Hmm. So that could be like very productive for him. I could see that line doing really, really good things. Um, I don't know if it's going to stick and it also could change around once, uh, Gino comes back. Um, yeah, he didn't win the cup. No, he didn't. Yeah, he was just he was just with them last year. My bad, um, Jamie. My bad. But but I, I love this idea of this first line of Gensel, Crosby, and Bukestad. That could be very very productive. We um, shall see. We shall see. Speaking of productive first lines, Nino Niederreiter was sent a long time ago. Like, not that long. Yeah, we were, like, I think we already, talked, weeks ago. we already talked about this one. Yeah, but um, but he went to Carolina mm-hmm. from Minnesota. We talked about it a bit. But he's been very very successful in Carolina. I do want to mention. To all teams out there, if you have a player or a prospect whose value is depreciating, it's going down, selling low on a player or a prospect might not be in your best interest because Minnesota sold low on you don't need a rider who has turned out to be exactly what the Hurricanes needed. Yeah. The Hurricanes sold low on Jeff Skinner, who's exactly what the Buffalo Sabres needed. Like, stop selling low on guys. If you want to give up on them, fine, but, like, you know, Whatever. I, I always look at it this way. The, the, Steve Eisman was a genius for trading Corey Conacher. Everyone in Tampa was pissed. The league made fun of Steve Eisman because Corey Conacher was this up-and-coming young stud. They traded him for Ben Bishop, who no one had even – I mean, people had heard of him. But he was like one of three goalies in Ottawa with Robin Leonard and, and Craig Anderson. And in hindsight, that trade was really good. Sell high. Don't sell low. Yeah. It's like stocks. It's not that – I mean, 
it is difficult, but like, whatever. Just yeah. <laughs> enough of enough of the enough of bad players. Exactly. Good players, what we need. Like, <laughs> like. Well, first of all, before we go to that, I don't think we mentioned this at the top of the show, but we have an interview today. Um, oh, we do. Yeah, we we didn't mention this at the start of the show. So we have an interview today. Uh, I'm sure you might have already seen it in the title, but uh, Emily Kaplan of ESPN. We have her on today. We had a really nice conversation with her. Um, just figured I'd point that out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty... I forgot to mention that. My yeah, bad. That's okay. We're, we're mentioning it now, and she's going to have like a whole 25 minute segment. And in it's going to be great. So Y'all going to love it. You're going to love it. It's coming up pretty soon. But anyhow, uh, someone we want to talk about in the meantime, Carter Hart. Of the Philadelphia Flyers, my goodness, this guy. Flyers on an eight, was it eight-game win streak now? Yeah, the Flyers have been unbelievable since the All-Star break. Um, and big reason why has been Carter Hart. He has been incredible, and he has just been he's been giving that team um, the the assurance at goalie that they've never really had. They've been beating good teams too. And Flyers are nine and one in their last ten. They've won eight straight, and they are currently. Not great position for the playoffs. I mean, they're still seven points out, so right. not great. But you know, they're they're around if they want to be. Yeah. I I would still sell if I'm but, them. But Carter Hart, Carter Hart is you know he is making. They haven't is, had a goalie in forever. <laughs> so one thing that's really cool that I actually noticed. Um, so actually, for an assignment, I have been following uh, Fluto Shinzawa of the uh, the Athletic. Uh, he covers the Bruins for the Athletic. Okay, I've been following his stories pretty closely. He wrote a story last week about um, young goalies and how he went to a camp at Avon Old Farms, the, the famous Avon Old right. Farms, and he went to a goalie clinic there. And one thing that they were preaching to goalies is for two things that I, that I noticed in Carter Hart's game that he really has. One is a short memory. Mm-hmm. Um, of can't, course. Can't get down on yourself. And they really, really preach that like hard. And obviously they've always preached it, but they're really being like, listen, you will not succeed if you cannot – Forget about the goals that you just gave up. Another thing they pre- another big thing that they preach is don't immediately go down. Stand stand up, track, and we and oh, you're yeah. go and you're going down at the last oh, second yeah. if you need to. Like use the use the going down as like a last second save. And there I and I watched plenty Car- of insults I could drop on here of things I heard from players who told me I went down too soon, and they're uh, they're probably a little more PG thirteen than we'd like. So I'm going <laughs> to keep it off the air. But yeah, you definitely don't want to um, drop too soon. Exactly. And so, but that Stay was. Confident. And it's something that I noticed that Carter Hart plays this way. Like he's, he's much more anal- It's it's all about being analytical. Is is kind of what Fluto was saying in his article. Is that all these goalies are very very analytical. They're always they're make they're watching the play and are like two steps ahead of the play. Um, and Hart's style is very similar to that. So Philly, it, you might have your guy. I mean, wouldn't that be shocking if after all this time the Flyers actually get their goalie? And it's after Ron Hextall leaves. I mean, he was yeah. the one who got him, but still. Um, the irony. Yeah. Uh, moving on, shout out to the Beanpot Tournament out yes. in Boston right now. Harvard, Northeastern, Boston College, and Boston University. Yeah. So Both men's and women's battling it out. And I do mm-hmm. want to mention briefly as someone who followed college hockey when I was at Quinnipiac often, not very common to see Northeastern and Harvard ranked and BC and BU unranked going into the tournament. Yeah. Well, very rare to see that. No, very, very strange. And um, it's really cool because, yeah, this this tournament used to be just dominated by BC and BU. Um, but Harvard and Northeastern have really made it interesting in the last couple of years. The the final the, – the first couple games got played. Um, for people who aren't familiar with the Beanpot, you know, it's – you have the four Boston college hockey teams play each other one week, and then the next week they play the final. Um the first game, the first games were uh, BC, I think BC, BC, Harvard, and Northeastern beat BU. Yeah, and so now the final is going to be BC versus Northeastern. I've um, got Northeastern. Northeastern looks great this year. They look really good. Yeah, and yeah, they've been very, very solid. Um, but like, Winnipeg good looks good too. Good Sorry, on Northeastern, man. What's that? I didn't say anything. Oh, stop it! <laughs> Just stop. Just stop. Um, hey, they Quinnipiac played. Uh, some of these teams already. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they played BU and won already. <laughs> um, but anyway, they did. They beat B- Quinnipiac beat BU earlier this season. There you go. Um, but the, the Beanpot's awesome. I I actually went when I was younger. Um, probably when I was like like eight years old, nine years old. I went to the Beanpot one year, and it was so so fun. What were um, the '70s like, Doug? What were the '70s? Stop. Shut up. <laughs> um, 
but heart yeah heart emoji done. but there you go heart emoji. very cool stuff um the bean pot's great if you ever have a chance to go to one go to one but also oh just a heads up Quinnipiac also bbc and Harvard. I don't care, dude. I really don't care. <laughs> I, I have I to g- add that in there. That's I my, genuinely that's my, It's could... my pride. Just like you have the Bruins pride. I yeah. got my, my Quinnipiac pride. Well, speaking of the Bruins pride, and this is so much pride. I'm bursting with pride. I got you, Doug. Bursting with pride. I got you that transition. Um, the Bruins had pretty two two pretty awesome milestones this week. First, um, Tuka Rask became the all-time winningest goalie in Bruins history. Th- this Despite was... being yelled at every single game. Right. And everyone, everyone keeps saying that Tuka Rask sucks and, and whatever. But you know what? He doesn't. He, he, he doesn't. Do, he suck. really, really doesn't. And he, he's not even that old, and he's already the old, the all-time winningest Damn goalie. Spoiled Boston people. He's okay. the all, not you, obviously. Right, no. but. He, he's the all-time winningest goalie in the franchise history, and it's a long-storied franchise. So that's really, really impressive. Um, so shout out to Tuca. And another big milestone that just happened last night: um, Patrice Bergeron played in his 1,000th game as a Bruin, and. I know you're a big Patrice guy. Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron is my favorite player of all time, undoubtedly. Dude plays with so much class. His game is so complete. Um, I have uh, I have the uh, Ber- my Bergeron jersey that I just got over the holidays. Thank you to my girlfriend's family. I love it. It's a winter classic jersey. Um, but anyway, you know, love. I, like, I, like I love summer classic. I love. <laughs> I love Bergeron, and I hope that. He is a Bruin forever. Um, the only reason I'm looking forward to Zdeno Chara retiring is so that Patrice Bergeron can be the captain. And he's had a fantastic career. You know, obviously, congrats to uh, Patrice Bergeron on 1,000 games and to Tuca, of course, as well. I love that, man. Um, I love both those men. Things we don't love. Uh, I'll be honest. The shootout is entertaining sometimes, but it also kind of really sucks a lot. Uh, to bring that up, the other day, the Lightning were playing the Islanders. I know, shocker, Lightning. Um Lightning were playing the Islanders, and it was 0-0 the whole game, even through overtime. And that's, like, usually pretty boring. But this game was one of the more entertaining games I've ever seen, and it was probably the most entertaining 0-0 game I've ever seen. And the reason was because it was incredibly chippy, it was a close game, and there were a lot of high-quality shots. The goaltenders were the reason it was 0-0. It wasn't because of a stifling system. It wasn't because of, you know, a lack of opportunity. It was a fun game. And it kind of sucks that it has to end because Robin Leonard sucks in the shootout. Like, that kind of, you know, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's just my, my whole two, two cents. I, I've seen some interesting ideas floating around in the NHL Twitter sphere, especially from, from not just bloggers, but, like, actual reporters. I'd love to see overtime extended a bit. I'd love to see more three-on-three. Three. I think that's exciting. I think we'll like to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, The yeah. less shootout, the better. Yeah, I think maybe extend the overtime period to three, uh, the three-on-three overtime period instead of having so you have fewer shootouts. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Um, let's let's keep sliding around now. Uh, the West wild card's a mess. Let's just be yeah. completely honest here. The it is. team in place for the second wild card right now is Vancouver, who is at five hundred at twenty-four and twenty-four. I guess twenty-four, twenty-four, six. So technically they're under five hundred. If you want to get um, specific, they have a negative twelve goal differential. They're 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. In no world any other year would a team with 54 points in 54 games be on pace for a playoff spot. No. Right. Because the last few years, if you didn't have, like, there are teams that had 90. There's teams that had 100. Wasn't there a team that had 100 points that missed plus? No, maybe not. But it was like no. they, they missed division spot. They got the wild card. But there's teams that are in the 90s, right. high 90s, missing playoffs. So, so I, why now is there a team that's on pace for 82 or around 82? I, I think this. I think it's indicative of a couple things. Um, one is that, first of all, it, it, it kind of shows the disparity between the East and the West. Whereas, like, there's, you know, there are definitely three teams that are certifiably out of it already in the East um, between the Red Wings, the Devils, and the Senators. And the Panthers basically out, and the Rangers probably won't make it either. Um, but, it, but it still feels like the Blackhawks still have a chance. You know, the Ducks still have a chance, but not the way they're playing. Oilers probably not. Um, Coyote, eh. and yeah. it's, it's weird because, like, we all, we're all gloom and doom about the Ducks and the Blackhawks and the Oilers and the Coyotes and how the Avalanche are falling And yet apart. they still somehow have a chance. And all of those teams are within three points of wild card. Right. That's nuts and there's, to me. And there's not – it's just because there. it seems like there's a lot of parity. And there, it's not very top-heavy in the West. Like, even the, like all the top teams are all pretty within each other. Whereas in the East, the Lightning are, you know, pulling away with it. Like, by a long shot, like, they're uh, 14 points ahead of the Maple Leafs right now, which is insane. Um, and I think that top-heaviness kind of 
it, it kind of has like a ripple effect for the rest of the league. Um, and and not to mention like the mi- like the mediocre teams in the East are actually decent. Like the Sabers and the Hurricanes and the Flyers are at, like those are the teams that are just out of the wild card spots, and they're all decent. Um, whereas like the teams that are just out of the wild card in the West right now are the Blues, the Av- the Avalanche are actually really good. Um, and they just kind of fallen on some hard times, but the Blues kind of two stay. and eight in their last ten. That's the crazy thing is that the Blues, after the their terrible start to the season, are now in theory on pace for a wild card spot because they've played three fewer games in the Canucks. You know, we talked about, and, and they're only one point behind. You know, Jordan Bennington's been a revelation for them, but like yeah, true. This let's just I I'm over how terrible the West is, and and to move on with that, if that's all right with you, Doug. Yeah. You have anything no, else. no, no, I got nothing else. Still terrible things. How does Randy freaking Carlisle still have a job? <laughs> I don't understand it because. Look, I'm a goalie. I relate to goalies. It's just who I am. John Gibson carried this team for the entire first half of the season. And by carry this team, I mean very literally. This team was terrible. They were giving up crazy shot attempt numbers. I remember one night. I'm going to look it up to, for a later argument. I, I, won't, uh, I won't delay now while I look it up. But they get outshot on a nightly basis by dozens of shots. And it's crazy to me how they would still win games. And now finally Gibson's like, all right, guys, I need a break. And he's mortal. And now they're getting blown out. They're two and right. seven and one in the last ten. They've lost five in a row. Look at their last few losses. It's been the most abysmal thing I've ever seen in my life. And it makes me want to like cry for Ducks fans, but mostly for John Gibson, because Randy Carlisle clearly has no idea what he's doing. They lost four to one to Montreal on Tuesday, six to one to Toronto on Monday, nine to three to Winnipeg on Saturday. Add that up really quick. What do you get? 19 goals to 5. 19 to 5 yes. in the last three games. John I mean, Gibson needs help. John, and Randy Carlisle, for some reason, has the backing of ownership of uh, the GM. Well, no you know what? And we talk about, about this with Emily a little bit. Um, the, the Ducks are just playing that old, slow style of hockey, not very skilled. And that's just not the way that this, this league is trending right now. Like, they've got a couple of young, skilled players, but overall they just don't play that way. I mean, when your ca- when your captain is Ryan Getzlaff, like Ryan Getzlaff's great, but he's he's a big body like old school type of player and and that's just not going to cut it in the league these days. Um so so the the, uh, the thing I found just to continue that um this was earlier in the season, I still remember this. The Stars were playing the Ducks and it was 4 to th- for some reason it was 4 to 3 Stars. It was only 4 to 3 Stars after two periods. After two periods, this was a shot total. Ducks, 13 shots in two periods. Stars had 44 oh. in two periods. John Gibson gave up four goals on 44 shots in two Jeez. periods. Let the man, like, the you know, he went storming down the tunnel the other day. I don't blame him. Don't blame him at all. Right. I'd be sick of this. I would be very, very sick of this. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that we're sick of, I'm sick of people bashing the Hurricanes for their postgame celebrations. Like, well, I don't get that one at all because it's like, yeah, I mean, one thing we've seen in sports in general is that people want to see these guys have fun. And we talk about this all the time, but like people want to see these guys like they're just they're playing a game for, for, for you know, for the love of God. Like they're just they're just playing a game that kids play. Like, why not let these guys act like kids sometimes have yeah. a little fun with it? It kills me a bit, and I talked about this in my newsletter, shout out, you know, shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was my rant of the week, and it was because it all started with an original tweet that came out from a guy that I really love in, in Justin Bourne, a.k.a. JT Bourne on Twitter. Um, and he tweeted out, quote, obviously it changes nothing, and it's fun, all caps, fun. I just can't imagine personally being a player with serious designs on a cup sitting in a team meeting where a guy suggests we do a duck-duck-goose celebration if we win the hockey match and being like, yes, we're on track, end quote. So, and, and like, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get where it's coming from. But, like, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. It doesn't. Right. Like, you, you don't think these guys, you know, some of these guys are playing Fortnite. Some of these guys are out getting, look at, you know, the thing that I always come back to, the Stanley Cup champion Lightning back in 04 under John Tortorella, they talk about how they were out getting plastered every night. Like, they come into practice hungover. Like, your concern is Duck Duck Goose? Are yeah. you kidding? Yeah. Come on, these are hockey players. Well, one thing that was also pretty cool about this whole saga, well, not I don't know about cool, but whatever it was, um, when the when the Flames were in town, um, Elias Lindholm, Elias Lindholm came back in, you know, playing his first game back there, and when they showed him up on the big screen a, f- a few times, he got booed. Then when they when they won the game. 
he was like he uh, he was, he was coming. Up, clap. He was doing yeah. the skull clap, like chirping him. You know what? That's, That's great. Awesome. It's, it's provocative, and you know what? And he takes and he takes that celebration that they're doing, and he turns it right back on them, and that's great. And and the thing is, and I talk, like I said, I talked about this before, but like the thing is, hockey is fourth among the major four in in the U.S. No doubt, it's easily the fourth. Yeah, but it's not doing anything to change that. Like hockey culture seems to embrace the fact that like, look, either you you like our sport or you don't, and we're not gonna go and, and change your mind. And that bothers me a lot. It's like, you know, people don't like hockey, and a lot of hockey fans will say that and be like, oh well, you're lost. Hockey is the best sport. Instead of like, oh, let me show you why. Let me show you why hockey's great. Let, yeah. let me, let me, you know. So, like, for example, the things that I like about the NBA, I don't watch NBA games. But I know a lot of what goes on in the NBA because they do a great job of marketing all this stuff. Yeah. And because NBA players do a great job of marketing all this stuff. So, marketing themselves. You know, personal yeah. brands for NBA players. You see a lot of, per, you know, you see a lot of, of NBA player names because they do a great job of marketing themselves. You see NBA Twitter is the best sports Twitter out there. It took over during Super Bowl week because of all these Anthony Davis rumors. Yeah. I don't even care where he goes, but I was paying attention for some dumb reason. Right. So, and, and the other thing, the other side of the, the shoe with this is in North Carolina is not Canada. We cannot treat every team like they're the same because they're not. The, the Hurricanes, their attendance isn't the best. It's not terrible, but it's not the best. So they're doing a great job of marketing themselves as fun, entertaining for everyone in Raleigh, North Carolina, by being a place you want to go, a place you want to see. You know, if a team's contending, it's easy. It's easy to, you know, market that. But a team's doing 500 like the Hurricanes, embrace the fun. I love what they're doing. Hockey culture needs to just get over itself. I agree, 100%. Um, With that... Let's take it to our interview. This was something that was fun. Let's take uh, oh, yeah, let's take sure. <laughs> let's take it to our interview uh, with Emily Cap, and we had a great conversation with her. We are now joined here on the Melting Pond by Emily Kaplan of ESPN. Emily, thank you for joining us today. It's really my pleasure, guys. How are you? Doing well. Um, yeah. Not too bad after uh, a few weeks of the cold. This is a, a nice change of pace. We got, I think, 30 or 40 degrees outside, which is basically a beach day. Yeah, it's been summer. I don't know what anyone's talking about. It's lovely. Yeah, Emily, where are you at, by the way? We, I don't think we asked before we got on the phone with you here. I live in Chicago, so oh. I'm experiencing all the same weather dramas as you guys are. There you go. So I, I do want to share the, uh, the long arduous journey of of how we finally got emily to join us and it's mostly because of several issues on our end um we originally were talking with emily about coming on in november maybe december uh that's when i came down with my my nice deathly illness um which was a lot of fun so we pushed it to the end of december which was apparently winter break we didn't realize so that got pushed again until eventually we got all the way along to last week when the chicago winter storm decided to postpone things with a little bit of a freeze so emily we are finally here and like i said we are very happy to have you on i just feel a lot of pressure to be a good guest <laughs> yeah it's been, it's been a long way i'm sure it's worth it um we, we do want to ask uh you know what has been your, your journey so far obviously you're at espn right now you work in hockey uh a job that a lot of people would die for um but how did you get to this point in your career yeah, well, I was a total weirdo. When I was six years old, I decided <laughs> exactly what I wanted to do, and that was be a sports journalist. And so I literally picked my college, which was Penn State, because they were the first school that had a specific sports journalism school um, within their college of communications. So I went there. Um, you know, I made a bunch of connections. I was there at an interesting time. I was during the Jerry Sandusky scandal. So um, there's a lot of journalists, you know, parachuting in. I worked for the Associated Press. Um, it was a great experience, as twisted as that is. And um, through that, I got an internship at Sports Illustrated, and I kind of just uh, made sure that they wouldn't let me leave when that internship was over. So kept extending, extending, and finally they hired me full-time, but it was for football. Um, so I covered football for Sports Illustrated, uh, specifically at the MMQB, which is Peter King's micro-website. And it was great. I think, you know, my one thing I always tell students is just try to make yourself invaluable and um, you know just do the little things so from anything from staying up late to transcribing Peter King's interviews with Tom Brady like literally at 4 a.m. and sending them to me from Montana um, to being able to report my own stories um, I really got a taste of it all and then um, yeah ESPN called uh, God, probably this time two years ago now which is wild uh, just to talk about a football job 
and they brought me in for an interview and I didn't hear back from them. And unfortunately in that time, um, they did have their series of layoffs, including, um, just getting rid of, you know, what the current hockey staff was for a very long time. And they called me back and I said, look, you know, we don't have a football job we think you would take, but you did mention hockey a few times in your interview. Like, would you be interested in this? This is our biggest job. And it's a little bit of a change for you, but we want to reimagine our coverage and we think you'd be perfect. And to be honest, and I know the long-winded answer, um, hockey is a sport I grew up on. I'm a middle child. I always thought my dad hated me. It's how we bonded growing <laughs> up. I'd watch Rangers games with him. And so um, it was kind of a dream job. If you asked me if I was little, what I wanted to do would probably be to cover hockey. So I saw it as a cool opportunity. So I do want to ask, you a Rangers fan growing up then? Yeah, I grew up in New Jersey, but my dad's a New Yorker. So um, he also is a journalist, uh, was a journalist. He was a sports editor for the Daily News, and his best work ever was credentialing himself for Game 7 in 94. Ah, very, oh, very slick. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty good thing to be at. Yeah. Especially in hindsight of history. That's not a, not a bad game to be around. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, at ESPN recently, uh, you had a story that blew up. Um, you talked about players and their inability to find uh, correctly fitting pants. Um, how did you come across this story? I love the story. First of all, it's, it's an unbelievable story. And, like, I'm, I'm just interested how you – first of all, how you came across this. Yeah, so um, – I think it really began, I think it was the draft last year. Uh, you always think of just different questions to ask guys, and we asked a bunch of prospects. Um, if you could have one endorsement, what would it be? And a lot of the guys being, you know, 18-year-old males uh, who like fashion and sports said Lululemon. And one of our editors kind of jokingly said, like, well, is that because jeans won't fit over their butts? <laughs> um, and hockey butt is a thing that if you ask anyone who's around hockey knows the term. Um, it is talked about, it's kind of laughed about, it's part of the vernacular, but one thing that I, I like to think I do a little bit differently is sometimes ask the obvious questions or the unusual ones um, that I think people who sometimes have been around the sport forever just assume it's already been written or assume people have talked about. So I literally decided to ask guys, I, I phrased it exactly like this, um, hockey players are notorious for having thick lower halves. Have you ever had problems buying pants? And um I think you find with hockey players, uh, but their personalities is when they don't want to talk about something, that's usually when you'll get the quick cliche. Uh, they'll, you know, just kind of clam up or, or give you one sentence. Uh, when they do want to talk about something, they flood it out. And I think there was two guys that kind of gave me a brush off answer. Every single other one from Connor McDavid to Jonathan Tays, like guys that usually you wouldn't expect to open up about this. Like their first response was, oh, my God, all the time. So uh, it was pretty fun to go with that when they were all excited about it, too. <laughs> I can I can tell you from personal experience growing up as a hockey player, I am not Patrick Waugh or any other famous goalie, and I, not even anywhere close. I want to make that expressly clear. But that was a problem that I had that a lot of my hockey teammates had in high school was, was you know, dealing with, you know, pants at our size. And I can't even imagine what hockey players who are actually good at playing hockey have to go through. So I thought that story was great it reminded me a lot of uh, we had mark lazarus on a few weeks mm -hmm. ago and mm -hmm. he wrote an article about you know how often guys have to change out of suits yeah. and how, like the whole suit thing and you know maybe it's because i'm not a traditionalist in terms of hockey i love those stories i think it really shows the human side of these guys and it's something that a lot of people in sports take for granted is the human side of these athletes so i thought you know I, we wanted to bring it up for sure just because love the love the story but also was very curious on how you got to that, you know, that idea of, I wonder, you know, why they struggle with this. So I thought that was, I thought that was great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons that it did take off is because it's relatable. And I think sometimes we like to be reminded that hockey players are just like us. And, you know, so many people reached out to me after that, like you were like, I've had this issue and I'm not a professional player. Women reached out and I think dressing room anxiety is just a real thing for a lot of people. It's about self-image and it, it touches on a lot of insecurities that we all have. So it's kind of warm knowing that someone like Connor McDavid feels the same way. Yeah, well, I can say that I have a similar but perhaps uh, maybe the opposite issue. Because I, I have trouble buying pants, but it's because my legs are too skinny. <laughs> and, like, everything's just too big on me. You're so. just a tall, you're a tall, lanky guy, though. Yeah, I'm just, just like a, I'm just like a bean pole. So this is like, I actually have the opposite problem. You're a Boston bean pole. But I still, there you go. But, I, but, I, but, but you know what? I, but, it, but I relate to it either, either way. And, you know, it's nice yeah. to see a story like that. And, yeah, just to be reminded, these guys are they're just 
people. Especially like McDavid saying like, oh, hey, here's this generational hockey talent who's probably the best in the world, like struggling with pants. Like that's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the way he skates too, I mean, with that, with that speed, he's got to have some, you know, real thick thighs. So, <laughs> well, um, sliding off of, of pants, um, sliding off the pants. Story. All right, Doug, <laughs> getting off of the topic of, of pants as, you know, as much as I love that story, I do want to ask you a few general hockey talk questions. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on what has been like maybe the most surprising or maybe the most disappointing, um, storyline you've seen from the NHL this season. Oh, that's tough. Honestly, the New York Islanders, I can't get enough of it. I, I think it's, it's pretty incredible, this entire group banding together um, in spite of losing, you know, one of the best players in the NHL. Uh, you know, you get a new coach, you get a new GM, you, you try to stick two goaltenders in there that are, have a lot of question marks, especially Robin Lanner, who is probably individually the best story in the NHL, you know, opening up about past issues with addiction and bipolar disorder. And um, here they have it. They're supposed to be nobodies, and they're contending for the top spot in the Metropolitan Division right now. So... Kudos to Barry Trotz, you know, he kind of, it almost feels like this year's Golden Misfits or, or this year's Golden Knights, like the team no one believed in, like the Washington Capitals didn't want to give Gary Barry Trotz the market value for what a Stanley Cup winning coach is worth. All these players feel like, you know, maybe a little bit abandoned. They don't even have a home to play in. So uh, they're definitely my, my favorite and most surprising story. Yeah, and I mean, Barry Trotz has got to be the favorite for the Jack Adams right now. I mean, you know, the way he's he's turned this team around. It's pretty remarkable. Do you do you think, I mean, I don't know if you have any insider knowledge on this, but do you think that there's anything specific that Barry Trotz has done with this team that has really caused them to shine the way they have? Uh, it's the defensive structure. It really is. I mean, this is the team that gave up the most goals last year and now is one of the top defensive teams in the league. And uh, that's why the goalies are thriving so much. And, you know, it's difficult because you, you never want to credit one guy. Like, for example, He's known as a defensive coach, but Todd Reardon really was the defensive assistant on Washington and had a really big imprint on those defensemen and, and some of the schemes. But, um, you know, Barry Trotz definitely had a say in it. And I, I think that's the biggest area where you notice this is a different team from last year, even though they really had the same exact defensive corps. And, uh, okay, yeah, so then moving on from that, what would you say has been... Oh, really quick. I oh, sorry, you sorry, are. You are. Very, one very briefly. Point. All right, one more point. Just because that. it's me and I'm the worst person. You are. Um, you are. Yes. That's okay. I, I do want to mention one of those defensive players is former Quinnipiac Bobcat, Devon Taves. You just, like, <laughs> I, I couldn't even resist. I couldn't. Like, I'm a Quinnipiac alum. We have, what, two guys in the NHL? Like, come on. You got to give me something. So, anyway, I just want to want to toss it in there. Shout out to Devon because I know... Uh, he's been a big part. Every time I see Islanders fans in my timeline, it's always like, why isn't Devon playing yeah. more? So well, I'm like, all right, that's a good thing. It's only the third time you've mentioned it on this <laughs> podcast. But um, anyhow, but uh, do you have a team that, in your estimation, has been like a humongous disappointment this year? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I think the two California, Southern California teams, the LA Kings and uh, the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, the Ducks are just in a tailspin right now. It's pretty brutal to watch. They've only had two wins since December 18th. Um, and the Kings, and those are two teams with, you know, aging contracts. And it just feels very emblematic of the current NHL where, look, we're now in an area where two of the high, the two highest capital hits in the league are players under the age of uh, 21. Um, you know, it's probably unthinkable five years from now we're handing out big contracts to 30 year olds. So, uh, you know, the, the league evolved and they just couldn't quite keep up. And now, you know, they're scrambling and really are just not doing well. Well, an interesting point that you bring up with that, too, is that they're all playing like this old style of hockey, like this kind of like old slow. Right. And I don't know if you saw what Jake Muzzin said the other night after Toronto uh, won their game. He said, well, you know, we're just playing like a faster, you know, more skilled style of hockey that these Western, com- these West Coast teams like can't keep up with, which I thought was just hilarious because he had just come from that team. And, but he's right, you know, like a lot of these, like the Maple Leafs and the Lightning are playing like this young, skilled game and the Kings and the Ducks are playing this old style game and it's just not working for them anymore. Yeah, it's, that's exactly it. And, you know, we, we said the Kings were slow going into the season and they tried to tell us they weren't, but they're pretty slow. Yeah, yeah we, you know, and Doug and I talked about it before the season about this, the Ilya Kovalchuk signing and why basically just in all caps why um but and and doug you're gonna hate me again but i'm gonna shamelessly shamelessly plug my my newsletter i did you know one of the first things i remember from when i first started writing was for this season was an article i called someone save john gibson and as a former like i said i'm a former goalie i'm garbage but i'm a former goalie so i can relate to goaltenders 
And I could tell at the beginning of the season, it was obvious to everyone. It wasn't just like it was like a secret insider goalie thing. But John Gibson was getting overworked. Um, They're relying on him completely. And now, like you mentioned, you know, they've only won two, what what did you say, two games since December 18th? That's that's depressing. (laughs) And I feel for John Gibson ever since that All-Star game, like, you know, he was my Vesna pick early on just because of the fact that this is a guy that's literally carrying his team. He could win the heart, you know, early in the season. Now, you know, even, you know, he's showing that he's mortal, and I feel really bad for him. No, you definitely hit the, you, you were pressing and writing that, um, and it's just kind of all coming up under them. And they have a GM who doesn't believe philosophically in firing a coach in season, uh, Randy Carlisle. It's clear that they need a fresh voice. We'll see if he sticks to that and, and does make a coaching change if it get, becomes this dire. But, um, yeah, it, it's a sucky situation for them. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that he's still around. But um, that's uh, – we'll see. Anaheim, Anaheim's got to figure it out. Um, I do want to ask you because, we, like you know, we mentioned, we didn't get a record last week, so this is our first time recording since this happened. The whole Pierre Maguire and Kendall Coyne, you know, Showfield thing was – you know, re- pretty big in terms of hockey talk, uh, around hockey Twitter especially. Um, and that it got people who are not usually involved in hockey talking about it as well. Right. I, um, I wanted to get your thought. We wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the whole thing with Pierre as well as how Kendall handled it, which, let's be honest, was great. extremely professional. Yeah, it was a lesson in grace. And, you know, being a woman in this industry and, and – I know Kendall probably has more examples of this, especially as the women are treated in, in comparison to their male counterparts. And I think the gap is much closer for women journalists. But um, that kind of stuff happens all the day. It's, you know, my friend, um, she's a political reporter, and she made the best, um, I, I think, analogy to the Me Too movement, where a lot of us don't have a huge tell-all scandalous thing that happened to us, but it's all of these sub-concussive hits, like a concussion. It's not one big blow. It's the little things again and again that can wear you down. And so what happened to Kendall that night when Pierre was just being, it honestly, was subtly sexist. He wouldn't have said, you know, we're paying you to be a journalist, not a fan to Patrick Sharp ever. Um, and, you know, for a lot of women, we're just used to it and we kind of go on with it. And so for Kendall to kind of call it out, and I think for everyone seeing it right there, it was very jarring. Uh, so for Kendall, A, to look, absolve Pierre from this, which was a very professional thing to do. She tries to make a mark as a broadcaster. You have to maintain relationships. But also say, look, you know, if you thought this wasn't okay, you were probably right. I wouldn't have thought it was okay either. And then spin it again towards a teaching moment to young girls about what this can do for your confidence and believing in yourself. I, I learned a lot from the way she handled it, and, and I hope a lot of other people did too. Well, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to uh, touch on one more point with that, and you're totally right. What what I was really impressed about with uh, with her reaction to it was just that I think she could kind of tell in the moment that she didn't need to say anything because we're we're kind of at a period of history where people will notice this on their own and they'll recognize that it's wrong all their own. So for her to like not make a big deal out of it in the moment, you know, I thought was just possibly the best way she could have handled it. You know, because people, people people get it. And just to build off that, you know, we we've had a few speakers in in classes here at Northwestern, some good, some bad. And what we've noticed from is a lot of, uh, from a lot of people who have been working in sports for such a long time is they keep mentioning how, you know, sports media and sports in general have shifted. And most of them think it's a positive thing. Some crusty old people think it's a negative thing, but that's their, you know, that's their MO. Um, but, you know, I don't want to build off of that. I want to, you know, the way that you and I connected, Emily, was earlier on for an assignment in a class where we had to talk to, um, you know, women in sports and it's something that I'm very passionate about as uh, someone that worked with women's hockey for three years at Quinnipiac. So I'm, I'm curious, your your experience, you mentioned, by the way, that concussion allergy, spot on. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, that was incredible. Um, and now she's a bright lady, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm very curious if there's anything specifically or just in general um, that is that has been like those concussive hits to you, uh, being uh, a woman in sports media, especially now in hockey, in a sport that's very, you know, old school culture. Yeah. Well, first I have to say, it helps to have allies like you guys. And I I think there's many more allies out there than there are the old school guys now. Um, And and I hate using old school, but it's just kind of, I don't know, the perfect vernacular. And for me, honestly, you know, it's one of those things where I couldn't give you a specific example, but I can tell you, like, 
there's times where you talk to an agent or a coach or a player, and it's just one little comment they make, and you always have to go and you leave, and you, you, you handle it in the moment, and then when you have a chance to process it, and that's almost what I feel like Kendall did, too, because in the moment, sometimes you don't even realize it. Um, you know, she's just so focused on doing her job at that moment, like, she wasn't quite ready for that, um, and you go home, and you're like, what do you say that to a male colleague? That was kind of sexist, um, or that was kind of ridiculous, or, you know, assuming, and, you know, that you're in this job for certain reasons, or, or questioning your knowledge in ways that you feel like it wouldn't be for a male, so for me, that's been my experiences mostly. Um, and I, yeah, I just want to reiterate that, you know, women have been in the locker room since the 1970s. Um, most guys, almost every guy I deal with now, besides a few coaches, have had women interviewing them for their entire career. So it's very much, they're used to it and, and they treat it professionally. But there are a few that don't treat it professionally. And those are the ones that, that do stick with you. And that's something that just to build off from my own experience, you know, I grew up in Tampa, a place that is growing significantly in hockey, but obviously is not a traditional market. And there weren't really any female hockey players or teams to really look at. And so, you know, I understand, I understood that perspective at the time of, of why other people thought so, you know, incredibly stupid about, you know, certain ways and certain stereotypes. And then I get up to Quinnipiac and there, you know, I get assigned to the women's hockey team and it opens up my mind in a lot of ways. Um, and so it's, I can honestly say right now that I can count on, on two hands of 10 people that I would love to hold a conversation with that I've met before in terms of hockey. And at least five, a majority of them would probably be, you know, women in hockey that I've met. And a lot of people probably don't realize how smart a lot of these players are. Like, um, like Kendall Coyne, for example, you know, I met her at the Chicago Sports Summit a few months ago. And that was, you know, that was awesome. That was a great experience. She's very smart. I'm, I'd be excited to see what, what she can do with NBC and, and on air just because that's a very knowledgeable individual. Um, yeah, it's great that they gave her that exposure now and, and she can keep building on it because it's all about getting reps. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what she does as well. Um, so we're going we're gonna to start wrapping things up here. Um, but before that, before that, we want to do a little game that we like to play with all of our guests. It's our favorite. This is our favorite game. Um, I'm ready for it. All right. So this game <laughs> is called somewhere between uh, Macindo and uh, Laz, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah, I think the leader no, the leader in the clubhouse right now is Brady Trentonero. Yeah. Um, who is the 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 Twitter gift master, uh, NHL gift master. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and uh, and right now the bottom of the polls is of course Mark Lazarus. He was miserable. We love you, Mark. We love you, Mark, but you were terrible. Extra. <laughs> um, I mean, in the nicest of ways. So, so this is a game called Plus Minus, and the way it works is we're going to give you a base stat. Like, we're going to give you a stat from a certain player, and we're going to ask you for the for another player, and you're going to tell us if they were better or or like were plus or minus, over or under, essentially. So basically, okay. just like actual Plus Minus, this game is completely worthless, and we yep. still love it. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so the base player that we're going to give you um, Patrick Kane is six. Or whoa, I wasn't supposed to say that. Um, Patrick Kane not, is not even the right number. So <laughs> oh, was it? Never mind. It wasn't the right number. You're um, Patrick Kane uh, has nine hundred and six points in his career. He uh, is one of the great American players to ever play. So we are going to give you um, American players, and you're going to have to tell us if they have more points or fewer points than Patrick Kane. And the numbers okay. again. The number is nine oh six. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I think I get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll give you we'll give you a name and you just tell us is is, is that person's stat higher? Is that okay. you know their total points are they higher or they lower? Cool. Um, so the first one we'll give you you know an all time great American hockey player Chris Jelios. Lower. No 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 no. He played for a very long time. Higher. Is that your final answer? So I'll make sure. Higher, higher, higher. That is correct. correct. One for oh. one. Chris Chelios has 948 <laughs> points all right. time. That is third among American defensemen. How um, many did he say he had? 948. Oh, I, I just made it. Yeah. Oh, oh, these are all within. Yeah. These are all within about a hundred. Uh, except oh, for we we make this yeah. game we make this game pretty difficult. So okay. like we <laughs> we get them pretty close. We're right. not good people. <laughs> um, all right. Next one we're gonna give you. Keith to Chuck. The Chuck. The Chuck. Uh, I know I know Keith is up there. He's higher. Correct. That is correct. Correct. Keith Chuck has 1,065 points all time. Oh. Yeah, so by a pretty decent margin on that one. All right. Next one is a close one, so we'll see if you can get it. Tony Amante. Mm. Oh, I just did two higher, so I'm going to go lower. <laughs> 
That is correct. Whoa! You've got our you've got our mindset on lockdown. <laughs> uh, Tony Amante has nine hundred on the dot. So yeah, just no scientific uh, reasoning for me there. <laughs> just just barely under though. Yeah. So without this season that Kane's having right now, which is stupid good, it would be uh it'd still be higher. But that's okay. Um, All right. La- yeah, last one, one we're gonna give you, Pat Lafontaine. Oof. Definitely didn't play as well. I'll go higher. Wow. That is correct. correct. Yeah? Four for four. Pat LaFontaine, 1,013. Can I quit now? Yeah, that's, yeah, the that's, last a, that's one all we, we got. You went oh, four, shoot. Yeah, you went four for four. Four no. Oh. oh my God. Yeah. It's like so, the game they play at Blackhawks games when it's like the cards and it's the jersey number. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. The, yeah, yeah. That was. You know, you are now at the very top of the leaderboard, four and zero in plus minus. You are, you are basically, who's a good plus minus? Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, Patrice know. Bergeron. Let's go with that. <laughs> the wow. Boston, the Boston right. kid wants Patrice Bergeron. Shocker. Um, <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, we figured American skaters would go well. I should, have, I should have slid a Ranger in there. I, I wasn't sure of yeah. your original fandom, but I you know Brian Leach. That would have been an obvious hire. But, yeah. Uh, there's some good ones in there. Others, American wise. For goal scoring. Yeah, we got we got work on that, America. Listen up, America. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to work on that. Get the Rangers, Jack Hughes, okay? Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> Jack Hughes is. Oh boy, just what the rest of the league needs. If Jack Hughes goes to the Rangers, it's gonna be a mess. Oh man. Oh, uh, I just don't need that in my life. You ready for a future first overall Oilers pick, Jack Hughes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the way it's trending. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, um, all right, so we're, we're just about ready to wrap up here, but we like to give uh, – we have two more orders of business. Uh, first order of business is we like to use the last little bit to give you some plug time. So anything you're working on right now that you really want to plug or anything you, you've had recently that you want to plug, the floor is yours. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I would just um, – honestly, ESPN.com slash NHL and read the work that Greg Wyshynski and I are doing. Um, you know, like I, I kind of alluded to earlier, we're doing hockey in a little bit of a different way. Uh, we're covering it um, maybe different than you've seen. And I know ESPN gets a bad rap that we don't cover hockey, but it's just on TV. We just don't have the rights online. We're doing as great of a job, I think, as we can. So do that. Listen to our podcast, ESPN on Ice. And that's all I got. Yeah, podcast is always a good one. Um, I do want to ask, what is it like working with, with Greg? He's great. He, he seems uh, like such a personality. <laughs> I think we, we don't view the world in exactly the same way, and I think that's why it works. He's always looking for the slight conspiracy theory or the drama <laughs> and everything, and it always cracks me up, and it does make me appreciate you know his perspective, and I really do think he has such a good pulse on the fans, and he's been nothing but kind and generous. He's been doing this a lot longer than I have, so um, I lean on him a lot. Well, he's he always, I mean, you know, obviously we don't get a, a personal interaction with him per se, but... From what I can tell from Twitter and, and the occasional verbal spats he gets into, he seems like a really fun character. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll snag him on here one day. But the, the final thing we do have, we ask every single guest this, you have slightly better odds at it just because we're halfway through the season than, for example, Sean, who had it you know, two weeks in. Yep. Um, but we do want to ask, who is your pick to hoist the Stanley Cup this season? Oh, boy. Um, you know what? I've been riding high on the Jets bandwagon since like middle of last year, and I'll just keep going. Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg Jets nice. breaks the Canada drought. Yeah. In all yeah. fairness, my, my pick when uh, when Sean hopped on, that's when we all did our first Stanley Cup picks. Um, I had the Jets over the Leafs, and as a Lightning fan, it kills me to to, to see that it would it would literally kill me to see the Maple Leafs in the Stanley Cup final. Um, but uh, that that pick right now is holding steady. So I, I I'm siding with you on this Jets pick. Also, just because right. I cannot pick the Lightning, or else I will curse my team forever. So not something I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you again, Emily. We appreciate having you on. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, it sounds like you guys have a great show, and I'll be sure to be listening to future episodes. I really perfect. appreciate you having me. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, we had a great time, so uh, hopefully we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, sounds great. Enjoy the rest of the semester. All right, we will. Again. All right. You guys are trimesters or quads. Yeah, quarters. Honestly, but at whatever. this point, I don't even yeah, know. I just show up to class and hope I get a decent grade. Pretty much. That's the spirit. All right. Have a good one, guys. Thanks All right. again. Bye, Emily. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you again to Emily Kaplan for coming in. She was so gracious, so awesome, and she is now the leader in the Plus Minus Clubhouse. Oh, man, she dominated that. Yeah, that, that was amazing. It reminded me a lot of when uh, when Sean came on and he was trying to mind game all the plus and minuses. Like, oh, this well, one was higher, so this one must be lower. Except she actually did it well. Like she but Exactly, but she was perfect on it. Four I before. think she just like, she kind of like psychoanalyzed us and she actually did a really good job with that. So, I don't know, but cre- all I credit to I thought I had it with Pat, Le- Pat LaFontaine. I really did because yeah, he didn't I play did that too. all. He I thought played, you did too. And, and some of that we talked about before, Patrick Kane's played 875 games. Pat LaFontaine's only played 865. Right. So, so I was hoping like, Oh, maybe, you know, he had a short career. Yeah. Nope. She nope. got it. She got it anyway. Um, let's move on to our weekly segments. So let's start it off uh, with some apple saucers. Oh, yeah. Um, best passes of the week. Uh, what you got for us? Well, my assist of the week, it kills me to say it, but William Carlson, beautiful play, dragging between his legs. Yeah, set up gorgeous. Valentin Zykov against the Lightning the other night. Uh, Valentin Zykov, I don't even know who the hell this guy is. I mean, I do, but, like, let's be honest, you don't. Um, not you, Doug, but you, the listener. <laughs> Um, but William I mean, Carlson, you know, a little bit of a down year compared to last year, but that was pretty nice. Dude's still got some pretty nasty skill. He's got um, some mitts. Yeah, so that was really nice. Um, my apple saucer this week, I'm going to go with the Kings in one sequ- which, by the way, Kings have a terrible season, but give them credit where they're due. Um, they had every kind of pass against the Rangers, started with a really long stretch pass from their own defensive zone into the offensive zone, and then a little touchback. Little cross out, little uh, cross the ice, and then one more to tap it in. It was just a gorgeous display of some tic tac toe passing. Even though the first tick was a really really long tick, it was like tick tac tic tac toe, boom goal. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> I did. That was good. Um, oh, man. You, got, see, you guys don't get the fun of watching Doug talk with his hands. That's the best part. Yeah, maybe we should make this a video podcast. Nah, well, that's too much effort. Uh, yeah, we're lazy guys. Come on. Yeah, we're very lazy. <laughs> I have too much other stuff going on. Um, Speaking of guys who aren't lazy, Red Light District, uh, I had Connor McDavid as my goal of the week. Notably not, not lazy. lazy. Taking on three flyers and still scores. Um, this guy is basically one man banding it for the Oilers this season. Leon Dreisaitl is doing, doing all right, and Ryan Eugene Hopkins is okay, but... Let's be honest here. McDavid is the straw that stirs the drink, and this drink tastes like crap. But he stirs it anyway. <laughs> uh, so like that one, Doug. That's that's Coming okay. back at you yeah. with that tic-tac-toe. Um, <laughs> Got to return fire here. My, uh, my red light district this week, I have – it's it's pronounced Michael. Michael, right? Michael Backlund, but it's spelled McHale. So I'm going to go Backlund. With Backlund. <laughs> just just <No>. Backlund. <laughs> um, Backlund. Had an absolutely nasty goal um, against the Caps – First of all, it started in the neutral zone, taps it around all these guys, and then just brings it around, does the offhand uh, br- tap around Braden Holtby. Oh, so pretty. Um, God, I can watch that all day. I'm watching it on a loop on Twitter right now. <laughs> um, but just an absolutely gorgeous goal. And with that, I'm going to take it from a goalie getting schooled to a goalie who schooled other people, even though he's only 20 years old. His name is Carter Hart, and we already talked about him. Um, and Carter Hart had just an absolutely mammoth save against the uh, Canucks inside of the blocker, full extension. I mean, that goal was open, and it was over, and Carter Hart just took it away. And, man, I just love watching this kid play. He's so good. And, I, you know, it's really cool that the Flyers may have finally found their guy. We already talked about that, but Speaking of uh, teams who have their guy, Andre Vasilevsky. Had so many saves this week, I just couldn't pick one. So I just wrote down in my notes, Andre Vasilevsky, everything. Um, he was he's you know he's basically just a wizard at this point. I've accepted the fact he's basically just a wizard. He's just because, a wizard. Uh, let's see. I mean, he had a save last night where he did a full split on like stuck out the blocker, shot hit his blocker, and came across his body into his glove like he meant to do it. Like okay, um, he saved a one time with his pad. Uh-huh. Where the pad curls into like the toe on top of the boot, and the puck just went in there and just st- stood in there, so no rebound. And there's a guy wearing the doorstep. That's badass. Like, I, <laughs> like obviously those aren't intentional, but how do you do these things? And then of course he had the save. The big one was uh, against the Islanders to preserve the shutout. Um, split save so nice that he literally kicked off the uh, um, the posts, uh, the pegs. Um, yeah. And he robbed Valtteri Filppula, who never scored for the Lightning, so why should he score for the Islanders? No, um, of course not. Oh, wait, uh, wait, one more thing I want to just, before we move on, yeah, one thing, because yeah, we didn't address this when we talked about Carter Hart earlier, 
Can we start taking him seriously for possibly taking the Calder away from Elias Pettersson? Um, he will get nominations. He won't win it unless Pettersson is hurt again. Or unless he literally keeps going on the pace that – I mean, if he keeps going on the pace he's going, which he won't most likely, but – He's like, making it interesting. That's all That's right. all I really know at this point. He's He is making it into a race to where before it was, it was Pedersen right. well, thing, like Petter, miles. Right. Pedersen was running away with this thing, and it wasn't even close. But now you got to be like, well – Maybe. Carter Hart you is gotta say maybe he's incredible, now. and so I don't know. We'll see, but just figured I'd throw that nugget in there. All right. Well, uh, real quick, I, we have a quick sweater weather update for you this week. Um, I can't say when they're going to come, but I do know the Lightning third jerseys are a real thing. The black ones with the silver Thanos snap sleeves. My mom, um, my mom's sweater. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, th- those are real. Um, they're going to probably be sometime this week. I thought it might have been last night. Uh, there are people who say it could be Saturday's game because the Lightning always wear black on Saturday when they had their thirds last few years, which makes sense. So look out Saturday for those. But just, like, release them already. I'm over it. It shouldn't be released in February. If you have a third jersey, it doesn't make any sense why you should wait until literally after halfway through the season to release them. Yeah, it's really dumb. It makes zero sense I mean, to me. Again, zero dumb, sense. dumb NHL marketing playing per the usual. The Lightning usually good with this stuff, so I'm a little disappointed yeah um things that didn't disappoint me gritty watch this week yay shout out to our boy gritty for uh, popping on a super bowl commercial with stephen colbert um whether or not you like colbert or not doesn't matter we all love gritty and patrick stewart and patrick stewart i, I love, love patrick stewart yo patrick stewart he is like that voice is just one of my fa- my favorite thing i ever saw him do was he um went on conan and did an interview where he talked about eating pizza for the first time and he goes i didn't eat pizza until i was already a man like, like almost like a Bane voice. I'm not joking. He. So, so the next question is: We we tried Chewbacca opener. Do we? Do we? I could do a better. Try Patrick a Patrick Stewart outro. <laughs> well, thank you. No, I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. I'm British, not do- but it's not like that British. It's like all I know is I know him from American Dad most. So I'd be like Smith. What are you doing? I, I, I'm not. Well, that's the thing. He's American, but he's I'm American gonna... in that show. But he is British in real life. But anyway, Gritty uh, is now as big a celebrity as, as Patrick Stewart. That's what we're getting at. That's the important thing. Ignore all of our terrible, 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 terrible impressions. Yeah. So terrible, you needed a treble of terribles. Um, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Always a pleasure coming on here, talking with Doug, talking with Emily today. It was a lot of fun. Um, we didn't get a chance because I forgot to do uh, Spam of the Week. Uh, um, whatever my poor baby but uh i do want to mention really briefly right before we started our emily kaplan interview that someone a spam number called me and i accidentally hung up on emily yeah i, I thought it was the other way around true so, story so there's there's the spam of the week um but long story short thank you guys for listening we appreciate all of you for doug greenberg i'm andrew weiss have a wonderful week stay warm and yeah doug <laughs> watch some hockey watch some hockey have a good week take care guys all right bye